This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. And normally around this time, I would say, Webby, what is good? But I think it's a little bit more than you feeling good right now. There's a new member in the Webster family. Can I say congratulations? New new member of the Webster family, and there's a new member of the Ball on Blast podcast family as well, you know? It's like we both have new bundles of joy in our (laughs) lives. I have a new daughter, and you have a new NFL show. It's it's fantastic things happening. Is, yes. is, is that the yes, status my, of my life right now, Webby? The comparison of it, your child it, is my podcast. It's your NFL podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I got to tell yeah, my moms well, uh, about that. My moms would be like just shaking her head in disgust. <laughs> amazing, amazing. We had uh, we had a little girl named Ivy, and uh, she unfortunately looks a little bit like her dad. Uh, a little bit. Uh, well, I was hoping she was going to get mom's looks. Right now, she's got dad's hairline for sure. But she is. It's man uh, to all the dads out there. Uh, it's unbelievable. Like you can you only hear about it uh, in movies and TV shows, but like once you actually hold your kid in your hands man it's a different ball game so uh she had her first nfl sunday with dad yesterday um she did a lot of sleeping a lot of pooping when the eagles lost (laughs) very uh kind of fitting for the uh for the performance the eagles had but uh she watched game seven of the raptors she's been getting in you know, it's funny too. They say you know they can't, they probably shouldn't be looking at the TV. But whenever I feed her, she's got to be she's facing away from me. Okay. When I get the bottle going. Yep. And uh, when I do that though, she's always like kind of looking at the TV. So hopefully she's you know going to be the Doris Burke uh, if she decides to get into the media game or you know a Sue Bird type okay. is what we're hoping. Okay. Uh, so the, as soon as she gets old enough, we're going to, yeah, everybody growing up, like, uh, uh, everybody had one of those plastic basketball hoops. Yep. Oh, for sure. I, I can't, that is going to be like the best purchase of my life. Amazing. Going to get one of those and get her just shocks are going to start going up. <laughs> the jumpers are just going to be going up early. That's amazing. That's dude. right. That's amazing. That's right. Congratulations, man. That is absolutely incredible. Thank you. And great, great news. And, you know, for obvious reasons, it's been a while since we've gotten together to have a little chat. Right. But one of the things that happened. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. The other one is that there was a lot. Listen, the Raptors, man. And so, you know, wrap it up. You guys were very busy. Yeah. Getting in there with the post-game stuff. And what an up and down series. Like, I know we're going to get to it, but, man. Things were hectic there for a while, man. It was super busy for a while there for sure. And, you know. Doesn't change the fact, busy or not, whatever's going on. The thing that doesn't change, the constant, is the association being the greatest league in the world and bubble, no bubble. It's just been straight entertainment. So I guess we should start, as you just mentioned, with the defending champs, Toronto Raptors, going down in seven games to the Boston Celtics. Mr. Andrew Webster, let's start here. What did you make of that seven-game showdown? 
I think the Raptors should be incredibly proud of even getting it to seven, because after two, after two and five sixths of a game, <laughs> it looked like the series was over. Yeah, it looked like Toronto shouldn't even be mentioned in the same conversation as the Celtics. And as this Raptors team has done all year with no Kawhi, they proved the doubters and the haters completely wrong. Uh, now, they didn't quite get it done in Game 7, and, you know, that could be a little bit of, you know, wear and tear, not necessarily having the talent uh, on the court as Boston did to close it out. But I don't think the Raptors' performance in the bubble and this series in general, uh, they should be looked upon as a failure. I think... Uh, it should be looked upon as a great success that they did defend the title as best they could, something that a lot of other teams, most notably the Mavericks from a couple of years ago, did not do. They definitely they lose Kawhi, but it does not uh, diminish the heart of a champion, as Rudy Tomjanovich hey, said. Totally, right? And And I think it's one of those things where when you look at it, you kind of have to go big picture on it and the seven-year run that it's been in terms of sustained success for the organization. And the fact that you were able to come back after Kawhi and defend that chip and go down with the fight, because as you mentioned, yeah, if they had went down in a sweep, okay, cool. But to show the fight, to come back, to force it to game seven, it's just, hey, well, we did our part. They showed heart. They showed that championship residue. And I think also proved that while Kawhi made them the championship team, this organization, the structure is here. We are a legitimate organization in the NBA and one of the best organizations in the NBA. And that's something to be proud of when you look at especially the two-year run of what's happened here because, you know, you fully phased out of the DeMar Kyle era into the what's going forward, which is going to be Pascal and whoever. We'll get to that. But I just think wrapping up that two-year run of saying we won a championship and everyone held their own. Kawhi put us over the top, but even without Kawhi, we can still hold our own. I think that was a very important thing to show, and I think they su- they surpassed most people's expectations, right? Would- Absolutely. I mean, when you look back at the beginning of the year and all the experts, mm-hmm. even what I thought the Raptors were going to do this year, yeah. uh, like they completely flipped the expectations that I had in terms of a great regular season. And then nobody could have seen this bubble happening, but to carry over that momentum, just to have that team first mentality, like of having no superstar and really playing as a unit for that success to continue in the bubble, uh, just goes to show you that how great the team was. And uh, again, can't be overstated how great the coaching is. Totally agree. The foundation is there. Masai's in place. Nick Nurse is in place. And you just got to keep that machine going. Part of keeping that machine going, though, will definitely revolve around a dude named Pascal Siakam. He struggled. But I want to ask you something. Should Raptors fans be worried about Pascal going forward and the max contract and him being the max guy, quote unquote? Well, listen, it's the NBA, so there's, like, and I brought the, and we're going to talk about Giannis, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of max guys out there, sure. and it doesn't necessarily mean that um, they're 
top 10 in the league, right? Like, basically, everybody's got at least one max guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Raptors just happens to be Pascal Siakam. Now, is he the Raptors' best player? Not even close. Me and you talked about this all year long. You and I talked about it all year long, how Kyle Lowry was really the best player and the most important player, and the Raptors would go as far as Kyle would carry them. And I think we saw the epitome of that in this series. And I'd really say that he's not even the second best player. I'd say that that's probably Fred. I mean, Pascal, the success that he had in the playoffs last year, I think was really predicated, and his most improved player of the year award was really predicated on having Kawhi Leonard in the lineup to take a lot of the attention off of Pascal, who plays a similar position, Mm -hmm. and is allowed to then kind of find his way behind Kawhi when he's getting doubled. It opens up a lot more things for Siakam. Now that Kawhi is gone, that's not very that that's not really there. Yeah. Now Pascal did play really well in the regular season, but he's not the guy that you can give the ball to in a playoff game mm-hmm. and say, Okay, go get yours. We need it. He's not there yet. Will he get there? I don't know. Is he there now? No. Well, definitely. One of the themes of the podcast on the On Blast Network, if you follow us talking about basketball, is there's levels to this shit, right? Yeah. And there's a big yeah. difference between you benefiting off of your teammate getting double teamed, as in Pascal last year with Kawhi. There's a difference between you benefiting off the double team and then you getting the double team. So the fact that he wasn't able to adjust off of that, you got to give him time and realistic and being realistic his first year in that position. It's not going to happen right away. It's not going to be a thing where it's that easy for him to just boom, flick the switch and then be the quote unquote man. But with that said, you know, you got to agree that going forward, the expectations will continue to be there, but you trust in the fact that he will be able to improve going forward. Right. I said it on the at the our season wrap up of the wrap it up podcast. And I said two things can be true at the same time. Pascal played horribly in this bubble. I mean, 15 points per game from your star player is unacceptable. Right. He has to get the blame for the Raptors loss. But the other thing that can be true at the same time is it doesn't mean that next year he'll be back on the same trajectory that we all assume him to be on in terms of continuing to improve. Will he get to be Kawhi Leonard? Nobody's saying that. But continue to improve, continue to develop. That's really what you you as a Raptor fan should want to see. And I think, I think that's what we should expect, right? We talk about Rico Hines and him getting in the Rico Hines runs. We know that's going to happen. And the fact that he didn't react in a bubble in the middle of a pandemic, it's okay, right? He played bad, yes, doesn't mean that the contract is a mistake and all the overreactions, people are talking about trades and all that craziness. Like, come on, he'll be okay. Someone else, though, with the Toronto Raptors, while we're still on this series, is Fred Van Fleet, is someone who is also very important to the Toronto Raptors. And he is a free agent. Now, I know there's questions about Serge and Marc Gasol, but I think a very high priority and what will dictate what happens to both Mark and Serge is what will the Raptors do with Fred Van Fleet? My question to you, Mr. Andrew Webster, should the Raptors do whatever it takes to keep Freddie in Toronto? I would say, yeah, I would say yes, because, um, not 
signing him, I think, would go towards their making a play on Giannis. And I don't know if that is in the cards for the Raptors mm-hmm. or, as we're going to get to, should be in the cards for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather bet on Fred who's shown that he can thrive in this offensive system that you've created for the Raptors, Mm -hmm. um, than I would without him, you know? That's such an important role on this team is that second guard behind Lowry, and if it's not him, is it Norm? Like, I don't know what the answer is if it's not him. I would pay him the money. I think he is amazing and the Raptors are the team that really gave him a shot he was undrafted Mm -hmm. he like uh, every team could have signed him they did not the Raptors gave him the chance and it was with this team that he's had the success so yeah I'd I'd I would. I would. It's a great story in terms of development, right? He came through the grassroots of the Raptors. He bet on himself while the Raptors also bet on him and he rewarded them with great with great play. And it's a great, you know, storyline in terms of the organization and their continued rep as using 905 as a real building block to compete on a championship level team. So it's a great story in that lens. Here's what I will say though. I think it'd be a great story to keep Fred in Toronto, but I wouldn't overpay for Fred Van Fleet in Toronto. And here's the thing that I will say Masai Ujiri has done the best of. That is asset management. And even if you go back to his time in Denver, he's going to make a deal to sign someone to retain the asset to maybe make a move later on. But I don't know how much more, how much above 20 mil a year you can go on Fred Van Fleet. And there's some other teams out there, whether it's the Knicks, the Suns, the Pistons, Kings. the Kings, who have money and chances are, are going to be trying to give Freddie the bag. And I don't know if you're Masai, how much more you can give Fred Van Fleet than 20 mil, because whether Giannis is a, a pipe dream or not, you still got to leave enough money there just in case. Unless Masai knows something else behind the scenes where he knows it's not realistic. But to me, if there's a chance, you can't go much above 25, I think the number is. You really start making things difficult and you got to make a lot of moves going forward to have Pascal at max, Freddie at 25, and then fit in someone else at a max deal. That's taking up a bulk of your team. And you're going to have to find somebody else because you brought up Ibaka and Gasol. Mm-hmm. And Gasol, especially in that series, was you, you kind of saw the, you know, the, the expiration date on Gasol. You're- Although I'd been saying it for, I'd been saying it the entire playoffs. He needed to shave the bucket. <laughs> and as soon as he did, he had the reverse Samson going. <laughs> He, he started playing a lot better as soon as he cut that mop off. That's fair. But, yeah, like, they, and I think that, I, I know I'm going to get killed for this, but I think you got to start thinking about moving on from Surge. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to get killed for that. I think that's a, a relative, like, here's a, here's the thing. This offseason is going to be so important for the Toronto Raptors because you don't want to make a mistake. You're caught in the middle of this rebuild and sort of retool phase and you might not want to be in a position where you're caught paying too much money when 
you just saw what this core can do, right? So if you look at the East next year, unless you make some type of changes, the Celtics are still going to be there, right? Yep. Uh, the Bucks are still going to be there, considering Giannis yep. stays, obviously, right? The Miami Heat are still going to be there, and then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving are still yeah. going to be there on the Brooklyn Nets. So if you're the Raps and you're looking at, okay, can we come back? Like, is it wise for you to try to come back with Kyle, Fred, and Pascal, and then realistically try to tell everyone, yeah, we're trying to win a championship? I don't know if that makes sense. But they did the same thing this year. I mean, nobody they, – they said, what, you're going to win a championship now without Kawhi Leonard? You're going to go deep in the playoffs? You, you, you just lost the best player on your team. You guys were a one-player team that made it all the way to the finals and beat the beat the Warriors, a depleted Warriors, because you had one player. Mm-hmm. They lost that player, they kept that unit together, and they made it as far as they did. But I just wonder, can you do that again? You're not going to sneak up on teams again. You're not going to, you know, Kyle's a year older. They dealt with the injuries really well this year. Can they do that again? I don't know. It's going to be, but overall, like whatever happens, because here's the bottom line. I think you and I can agree totally on this. Whatever happens, we trust Masai, right? Whatever Masai's plan is, he's got it figured out, right? I'm a I'm a Sixers fan. Uh, you know who doesn't have it figured out is the Sixers. Okay, Correct. and it's not because. And honestly, like Brett Brown is gone, mm-hmm. and that's whatever. But the real problem with this team over the last two years has been front office. And look at the Knicks. That's front office. You look at all these teams that have failed over the last five. 10, 15 years, and it's the front office. It's a, it's, it, it's the one through line that goes through success and failure in the NBA. If you have it, then you're good. If you don't, then it's a nightmare. Like, I mean, even Houston, we'll, we'll, we'll get to them, but, like, having Maury there uh, has been good for them yeah. because it gives them, stability. you know, that baseline. Yeah. Yeah, the stability. And, like, and that's it. If you have Masai, like, in Masai, you trust, right? In Masai, you trust. If he thinks Freddie's worth whatever, I trust Masai. Um, there's a, a big issue of trust is a conversation right now going on in Milwaukee. And the mm-hmm. reason is yeah. the Raps weren't the only favorite to go down in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs as uh-huh. Giannis and the Bucks also said farewell to the bubble. And the way they went out, because I know Giannis got hurt, but they were already on their way of getting slapped up with Giannis in the lineup, right? So they go down to the Heat. And now there's a bunch of rumors going on in Milwaukee where we'll start with Giannis had a meeting with the Bucks co-owner and governor. And there's a big conversation there. And one thing that came out from Woj was that they made it clear to Giannis that the franchise plans to spend into the luxury tax and deliver him a championship supporting cast. And supposedly he didn't ask for a trade. But the reason why Twitter went crazy was because the meeting came on the same day that Giannis unfollowed hundreds of Twitter and Instagram people, including the Bucks team account and his teammates account. That obviously brought a lot of eye emojis, we'll say, but also brought us some juice here on this podcast, which is, you know, what we love to talk about here. So I'm going to ask you, what do you make of this situation in Milwaukee? 
Should they be worried? Is there there's smoke, definitely, but is there fire? Guess what? They should move on from Giannis. Whoa, what? What? I've there's never been a worse <laughs> there's never been a worse best player in the NBA. Wow. There, wow, 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 wow. There's not. Okay. There's not. I'm listening. There's I'm not. listening. I'm listening. Giannis Giannis is trash. <laughs> wow. Okay. What is happening? Stoppable. Giannis is stoppable. Okay. He's got one move. Get to the rim. Guess what? You know how you beat that team? You you do the Trump. You build a wall. Wow. Raptors did it last year. Heat did it this year. And guess what? It works. Because he does not have any other moves. He's a terrible free throw shooter. I'll agree with he you. He can that. barely he can barely shoot a three pointer. Okay. And mid range. It, first of all, it's a terrible shot. Second of all, he can't hit it. All he can do is try and get to the rim. He's like skinny, bad Shaq. So okay? I'm glad you brought up Shaq. And he needs, sure, if 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 the Bucks can find a Kobe <laughs> for him, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you going to find? Who's Kobe? Here, here's because thing. right now, honestly, honestly, if I'm the Raptors, I, I don't want Giannis. Whoa. What's Giannis going to do for me? He's better than anyone what? on the Raptors. Is he? Yes. Come on, man. Uh, because the Raptors have a whole team that have won an NBA championship. Giannis is still. Hold on. What does Giannis won? Hold on. Hold on. How many? What is Giannis? How won? many players in the league would you rather have than Giannis and Tedekumpo? Mm, realistically, yeah. more than five. What? <laughs> yeah. Who? Uh, Anthony Davis. No. Yes. Okay. Go on. LeBron James. <laughs> James Harden. James Harden. Uh, James Harden. Okay. 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 You know why? I'll listen to that. Because James Harden can shoot. James Harden can shoot. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm listening. James Harden's got. I'm letting you. James go. Harden can do two things. Okay. He can get to the rim and shoot three. Okay. But Giannis could barely get to the rim. <laughs> okay. Go on. It's it's unbelievable. And you're gonna I hold on. I know that. you're gonna say Luca. So go ahead. Luca Doncic. <laughs> I won't say. I won't say any of the Sixers. Because okay. that, that's what I, – I put this out here. I, I think it was game two mm-hmm. of that Heat series. And I said, Giannis is the worst, best player in the NBA <laughs> in league history. And people were like, oh, what are you going to say? What, Embiid? What, Simmons? Yeah. No, they're trash too. <laughs> they're trash too. I love your energy on this pod right now, Webby. I've been, I've been feeling no, the vibe. I, I'm liking your energy right now. I said, why – if you're the Raptors yeah. and you've spent the last, like you said, seven years mm-hmm. cultivating this culture, mm-hmm. making this team where one is not greater than the other, okay. now you're going to spend this money to bring in Giannis. And how would how tell me how Giannis fits with this team? So here's here's what I'll say. To Doesn't Giannis do? Isn't Giannis doing basically the same thing that Kyle Lowry does? Only Kyle Lowry does it better. No, I would disagree with that. Here's here's what I'll say. He shoots. Here's what I'll say. I think that Giannis is definitely a top five, if not top three player in the league. I mean, next year KD comes back, so that probably pushes him down yeah. a bit. Whatever. Kevin Durant. I'd take Kevin Durant we over. Can do, I'd take Steph Curry over. We can do the math on that. But here's the point that I'm making. Right now, Giannis is now seven, <laughs> eight. Okay, okay. I like, I like your energy here. I get where you're coming from. Giannis has been stopped now. The blueprint is out. How do you stop Giannis in the playoffs? But you brought up Shaq, and I think that's an important lesson here, right? Because for a Shaq while, was good. Shaq was an—he was unstoppable 
You know what else Shaq had? Shaq had a number two. He had Kobe, which brings me to my... He had Penny. True, which brings me to my point, though. You need to get Giannis a proper supporting cast. Chris Middleton and Bledsoe? Come on, man. That's not enough. They won a game. No, that's not they enough. Won a game. No, that's, they won a game. They won a game against Miami, they won didn't a they? Game. You know who else won a game? They won a game. The Orlando Magic won a game. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They won a game right. against Giannis. <laughs> okay. So most overrated. I. It's all, unbelievable. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying We is, do this in the NBA all the time. Yes, he's a, an unbelievable athletic specimen. Yes. He's still super young, mm-hmm. so he's got a lot of time to grow. Mm-hmm. But he's got the stink of a loser. See, I disagree. I just think that the Bud is a terrible coach in the sense that... No, 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 no. In the no, sense no, that no, no. you got to play Giannis more. You can't play your best player only 30 minutes don't in the give playoffs. Me that. You can't do that. You at some, point, at some point, you have to blame the player. For sure. No, 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 Bud, no, for sure. Coach Bud... Coach Bud did this with a team with no superstar in the Atlanta Hawks. Got them 60 wins. Regular season success is different than the playoffs. He got the superstar, and he got 60 wins. Sorry, that's that's what a coach does. He did it both ways. I've got no problem with that. No, he did it in the regular season. If you're the best player in the league, Mm -hmm. if you're the best player in the league, you're winning that series by yourself. Against the Heat? Yes. Oof. I don't know about that, I, I, but I also think the Heat are really good, right? So the Heat are really good, but but you're the best player in the NBA, supposedly. And you were going over, over eight from three. You were shooting thirty percent. But why is he shooting threes? This is what I'm talking about in terms of the coach. Because of well, this is the modern listen, NBA. Because it's the NBA, which is it's the NBA. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? If you figure out they turned Jason Kidd turned Giannis into this crazy supersized point forward. And I get why that makes sense in theory, right? But there's got to be another level, another adjustment to where you're building a team around Giannis that fits into his skill set, right? And you do need a number two, someone who's going to be able to get a bucket. We've seen that with Shaq, even as Shaq's dominance, where he was in the playoffs, putting up, as we keep referencing, the Shaq-type numbers of 40 and 20s every night. Down the stretch, he needed Kobe to get buckets because he couldn't go to the free throw line and he was in foul trouble at times, but you just couldn't dump it to Shaq in crunch time because you didn't trust his free throw shooting. So he needed someone else and that's Shaq. And I don't know if we've seen someone as dominant as Shaq. I just think he needs another piece. So I'm not going to crush Giannis on that side. He's gotten to a level, but I will say, you know, what we just watched with the Raptors is the same thing with Giannis and it's the same thing with James Harden. When it comes down to crunch time, they don't know yet how to just get a bucket. And part of it is the way that their skill set is built in the NBA is conducive for regular season success, not playoff success, when you need to just get a bucket, right? So what I mean by that is James Harden's game is built on I shoot threes and I get fouled. In the regular in the playoffs, when you need a bucket, your three-point shooting is not at a high enough cliff for you to be able to do that in crunch time. You driving to the basket is dependent on the refs giving you a call or not, or dependent on the defense. Giannis doesn't have the three-point shot, so him barreling to the basket is dependent on getting a call to the ref, right? Or the other team's defense. That's not conducive to playoff basketball. You need a move. You need someone who can get you a bucket. So I present 
because I think there's definitely shit going on here, right? For us to hear about this meeting means Giannis told people about this meeting. And then the and then the Bucks had to counter that and and you know, douse the flames by putting out their side. Oh no, we're going to go in the luxury tax. We're going to build a team around them. We're going to spend money, blah blah blah. So that tells me and I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. But how much better is that team if you replace Eric Bledsoe with Chris Paul? With with anybody? True, with anybody. But I'm saying with Chris with Paul. Eric Bledsoe. But I'm saying oh. I'm saying with Chris Paul. The Chris Paul that we just saw and what he needed to do for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, you know, you put him in a better spot because you really just need him to close. Right? You really need him for when you just need a bucket. So and he gonna, can create and do put that. In, you're going to put in noted playoff closer, Chris Paul? I'm saying Chris Paul, it's if you're if we're thinking about what realistically the Bucks can do to like spend and like what kind of trades are out there, like what assets do they have to get like Bradley Beal? Right? Like what assets do they have to get, I don't know. Like who's who are they really getting to that's going to realistically that could realistically get done and realistically help their team? That there's no answer. There's nobody out there I see, that they could get. I'm saying Chris Paul just because I feel like OKC would want to get out, out of the contract. And he would really help your team. And he's going to come in motivated because you're going to a championship level squad. And how many more kicks at the can does Chris Paul really have? That really makes the most sense. I guess maybe Jamal Murray, but then you'd have to give up. You don't have the assets to get that. Why would Denver yeah, you do don't that? Have the assets. Right? Like that's yeah, what I'm exactly. saying. Like who, who, you know, assets that they have. Chris Paul's really. It's Chris Paul. So, but then again, you're bringing in again, you're bringing in noted playoff choker. But also too, that's only really giving you a window uh, of one year, right? Exactly. If I'm honest, I see then, how that goes for one year and then two years. You know. Again, I if I'm the Bucks, I would try and trade Giannis. I don't know if you can trade them, man. Like, what are you gonna really? Get? Well, unless they'd I mean, burn down your, they'd burn down your stadium. For sure. Like, they'd lose, the fans would lose it. But no, I. Uh, there's better players out there. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's the reality of it, though. If they have, I mean, he's supposed to sign the supermax this offseason. That's going to be very telling. Right. If he doesn't sign the supermax, I would he's seriously gone. consider trading him because you can't just let him walk for nothing. Right, so I would seriously. But they said they're not. They said they're not going to trade him, even if he doesn't sign. Hey, they can say whatever they want, but right. if it comes down to the come down, but the other part is that makes it so tough in this modern NBA now is if they are floating trading him, what real offers can they really get? Like that's what makes this so weird because the other teams will know. Well, you're doing this because he's not going to sign, so sign. you don't have leverage. So I'm. Why do I need right. to give you? And I'm, but that's why I'm saying trade him now. Uh, it's interesting. I don't. I, I just don't think that you can do that. They won't do. You it. can't do that they to your fan base. You can't explain that. We just traded Giannis for like Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and the second <laughs> pick. Like you can't say that to your fans. Do you no. know what I mean? But again, although if I was a Bucks fan, I would be. That, I would say that is a smart move. What? Come on, man! <laughs> Not a chance. I, Not a chance. I'm just. I. I can't believe it. I. You know what? It was after game one. I was like, well, this series is over. I think you're being too hard Giannis, on Giannis. I think you're being too Giannis hard on Giannis. Giannis isn't a winner. Like, he doesn't have the game that can win you an NBA championship. He doesn't. But I think he needs help. Like, everybody needs help. And I just don't think that Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe is that guy. And Coach Bud, 
as much as, you know, he's brought on success and he's shown that he can win in the regular season, he's also shown he can't win in the playoffs. There's no adjustments made I don't think, in the playoffs. I don't think the Bucks lost because Giannis was only playing 35 minutes. I don't think that helped. You know who else was playing 35 minutes in that series? No. Jimmy Butler. Hold on. Jimmy, it's a different beast. And Jimmy, it's a different beast. Jimmy man. Butler played, was playing 35 minutes, and he was smoking the Bucks. Different beast. Like a fine squad, Cuban Sabar. Different team. Doesn't different that, needs. Different situation. What, what, what's, what's, what's Giannis going to do with the extra eight minutes? Giannis should go what, to he's gonna the run, Heat. Run it. Is he going to miss more threes? If I'm Giannis, I'd go and join Jimmy and Bam in the Heat. That's what I would do. If, if you can't beat him, join him. If you can't beat him. I'm just saying it's Milwaukee, bro. And Chris Middleton, he he's alright, but he's not real, man. I'm sorry. I can't I can't like No, I, I agree with you. That 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 the the biggest mistake they made was paying Bledsoe and getting rid of Brogdon. Paying Bledsoe when they didn't need Brogdon to. Brogdon on that team made sense. Mm-hmm. Bledsoe on that team doesn't make any sense. Totally agree with you, man. Totally agree with you. But, you know, the Buck situation, much like the Raptor situation this offseason, both are going to be super interesting to see what's going to happen. But before we get to that, there's still some playoff action to tip off. Most notably, game seven. Most, well, most notably the Eastern Conference. We'll stick with the Eastern Conference for Okay, now. okay. We'll st- yeah? Makes sense? Or you want to go to the Game 7 Let's do first? It. No, no, no. What no, do you, no. What do you- this one's set in stone. We know who we got. Okay, okay. So, Bucks and Raptors are done. The Heat and Celtics are not. This is the Eastern Conference Finals. Who you got, Mr. Andrew Webster? The Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics? Oh, I'd love to say... I'd love to say that I had the Heat. Okay. I would. But I've got the Celtics. And again, it's why I had them in the last uh, round mm-hmm. against the Raptors. I just think that that talent level that they have in terms of uh, Kemba, uh, Jalen, and Tatum, I, I think that, that like having those three guys is so much different than having the one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like as great as Jimmy is, like Jimmy could lock down one of those guys and there's still going to be two of them on the loose, yeah. you know, and Dragic, I love Dragic, but, uh, but if he's out on the court against when those three guys are out, I don't know who he, guards. Who he covers. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how you hide him on defense. Um, the only good news for the heat in that matchup is that, um, uh, Tice is, he's just ripe for the picking. Like, Yo, I he's think way better than I think that I thought he was. I got to be honest. He played no, really well against good. the Raptors. He, well, and again, like uh, Raptors fans are going to hate me saying this, but but Brad Stevens is a really good coach. He's a great and when coach. the Raptors when the Raptors tried started to figure out how to like kind of shut down Kemba, and then they were running Tice on the baseline and throwing those lobs up to him. I was like, like that is a chess move right there, like. He was ready for that moment, and Tice really delivered. Hold on. So, can, 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 I, can he, I jump in for a second here? There's an yeah. underlying thing that a lot of people in this city have not acknowledged. Brad Stevens outcoached Nick Nurse in that series. Yeah, but I think that that's right, right. And the again, Cel- like Toronto's going to be like, well, Nick Nurse, this and that. No, but Brad the, Stevens is an awesome he's coach. He's a great coach, and the Celtics were way more prepared. They had yeah. adjustments like the one that you just 
just made, but coming into the series, the game plan that they had to stop the Raptors dribble penetration with their bigs and not switching the pick and roll and instead having their big guys sag into the paint so that the wing defenders don't have to help, which is basically the, the Raptors entire offense. That's what the game plan coming in. And the Raptors had no answer for that. The whole series, their offense struggled the whole series on that. And so the, Stevens had them just though, prepared, I, man. I like the Nick Nurse thing of the uh, of the challenges to get the cheap uh, timeouts yes. late in the game. Yeah, yeah. That I thought that was brilliant. Yep. So I thought it was a good uh, coaching chess match. But yeah, Brad Stevens. I've been saying it for a while mm-hmm. on this podcast. Is like he's playing chess when some of these other coaches Agreed. that I'm sure we're going to get to here are playing checkers. You know? No, totally agree. So you like the Celtics. Or how long do you see the series going? Yeah. I know. I think it's going to be a long series, okay. six or seven. I'll take Celtics and seven. Okay. You know, I, I think that the heat, uh, like I say, uh, there's going to be a couple Jimmy Butler moments, a couple Jimmy Butler games, yeah. but, uh, I just think that the talent, uh, difference, but like having those three guys is so tough. But the other one is, um, the, the heat don't really have a, a Marcus smart. Interesting. See, I'm, you know, this is funny. Cause, and I, I really, I'm, I'm on. Marcus Smart. Of I course. want him on the Sixers. What's wrong? Like, Marcus Smart is that guy that you need on your team. You need one of those dudes on your team. The guy that's diving no, I, around I'm, all over the place. He, as Bill Simmons always says, the irrational confidence guy. You need one of those dudes on your you team. Thank you for bringing this up. Thank you for bringing this up. You're absolutely right. And the best, like, kind of the number one uh, person like this over the last couple of years has been Draymond Green. Okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You need to have that. You need guy. a goon, and the one, and the person uh, Sixers fan, we don't have that guy. Nope, we don't. We had T.J. McConnell, who was kind of that guy. No, you had Jimmy Butler, and you let him go. Well, we had Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Jimmy and Jimmy Butler is like the all star of that. <laughs> yes. But it's like now, like who is the tough guy? Who's the guy on the Sixers you're afraid of? Like Tobias Harris, like. No. J. Cole, no. No. <laughs> Richardson? Come on. So here, here's the thing, man. You're talking about – so first off, Marcus Smart, totally. The, what's not getting enough credit in this city was the block made by Marcus Smart oh. on Norman Powell. Oh, my God. In crunch time. Oh, my God. Like that was a massive, massive play, a great defensive play, not enough credit being given to Smart for how hard that was to do without fouling. And I know you could slow yeah. down the video and probably see that he touched him and or whatever. At the 10. Like, at the 10. You can't make that foul call, right? Like, that's just a great block, a great athletic play from a guy who is first-team All-NBA defense, right? So, great look there. But... I'm going with the Heat in this series. I'm going with Heat in seven. And I like Miami because I think they just know who they are right now. Jimmy Butler embodies Heat culture in terms of a toughness, in terms of a style of play, in terms of grind it out, grind it out. We are, you know, you can look at us as underdogs, but it doesn't matter because we believe in ourselves. We believe. So now you take that mentality And I think they just know who they are, and they did a great job of adding dudes to fit into that. Namely, Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala. Two guys who, when you talk about Jason Tatum, they might be the ones getting that matchup to be the crafty vets to kind of, you know, mess with the young buck here, you know, just get in his head, be all up in his grill, 
you know, and chase him around for seven games. So I just like that they have enough bodies. And I didn't even mention Jimmy yet, who I'm sure will get a look on Tatum as well. But I think they have enough bodies to throw at Jason Tatum. But the rest of their team knows who they are and knows their role. My thing after watching the Celtics against the Raptors, Kemba looked rattled when the Raptors focused in their defense on how to stop him. And he still had his moments, but he didn't play as well as the Celtics needed him to play. Jalen was all right, but I think this is a series where they need Gordon Hayward to come back. And what's the status on that? Is that ankle healed up? Is he practicing? I don't even know. So the latest I saw today being, when are we taping this? Monday. The latest I saw was Hayward went through a small group workout after practice and, quote, looked good. According to Brad Stevens, the coach added that he's not sure about an exact return day, but says, quote, he's getting better. That tells me it's going to be sometime during this series. That's my assumption. I don't know that, but... But see... But see, the thing is, if he comes back, then you have less smart. No, but it just means, and I no, 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 that, but after watching the Raptors series, it means it's less Wanamaker, <laughs> right? It's less, yeah. it's less <laughs> semi-Ogele, and that's a good <laughs> sign for the Boston Celtics. That is a good thing. <laughs> right? That is a good thing. But I just think, like, so the other thing about Crowder is that I don't think you're going to get the shooting that he gave you no. in this series that he gave you in the last series. Fair. But like you say, the veteran leadership that he and Iguodala are going to give you are going to like that's something you can't put a price yeah. on, um, and that is kind of probably your best bet to like nullify what Smart's going to give you on the other side. And then the other thing to your point is uh, about the Heat is that not only do they believe, but let's not short Spolstra on being a great coach as exceptional well, exceptional coach taking the taking the lineup that he has, the mixture of the vets and the young guys, totally. and putting this together, getting them to buy in on the system, and having that system work in the playoffs is unbelievable. Totally so true. it'll be a great series. I think it's going to go six or seven. I just think that the talent on the Boston side of the ball is just going to be a little bit more to get them over the hump. Yeah, it's it's super interesting to me because I, I see what you're saying. Like the high end, if you're talking Tatum and Kemba as a – as opposed to Jimmy and Bam. Okay, cool. But I feel like the other pieces on the Heat are just better. Like, the Heat can get contributions from Duncan Robinson, who most people would think, oh, he's just a three-point shooter, but he's a liability on D. No, they've turned him into a good player, right? And Hero. Hero is Tyler Hero. He is a baller. That dude is legit. 20 years old, man. How did he fall that far in the draft? I don't know. But his game is nice. Right? Like, Yo, my guy's crazy. game is... He's super confident. They were going to him in huge, high-leverage situations. Moments. Big moments. No fear at all. Splashing big threes. It's going to be a fun series. And, hey, the fact that we both picked the opposite team in seven games tells you how crazy of a series it's going to be. I can't wait for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. One Tyler Harrow thing that I saw online on Twitter okay. was that somebody, like kind of retweeted a picture of him and it was like Tyler Harrow's 20 years old and this guy was like I'll never forget he was working cuz Harrow went to Kentucky yeah. right so the guy was like I was working at a Lexington 711 and Harrow came in and spent $300 on backwoods <laughs> and I was like yo that's sick <laughs> just backwoods 300 bucks <laughs> It's going to be a long night. A college kid. Where is a college kid getting 300 bucks to spend on backwards? On blunts. <laughs> I'm just going to let I'm just no, going to I, leave that one alone. I like Harold <laughs> and I think that's 
I think that series is going to be dope. I think that's, I mean, pardon the pun. <laughs> I love doing this podcast so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fucking Webby, man. That's amazing. Um, so as we switch from the East to the West, right? Now, the Lakers made easy work of the Rockets. And I got to ask you, are you surprised by how easily the Rockets went out in this series? No. No. Not at all. Are you kidding me? I'm just asking a question. No. I just asked the questions, no. Mr. Webster. <laughs> Listen, and you know why I think that the Lakers are now like, I, I, I mean, even if the Clippers win this game seven. The, we'll get the there. Lakers we'll get there. Just, we'll get there. Pencil them in, okay. but no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Like this happens every year to the Rockets, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you can add Westbrook in the mix, yeah. but it's still there's a reason why Dan Tony's not going to be there next year. Like, yeah. you want to talk about Bud? Like, I think that that series loss is way more on Dan Tony than the Bucks is on Bud. Well, they have no counter, right? And and the beauty of the Lakers. Yes, they play big, but they also had the ability to go small. And it might even, the weirdest part about it is they're setting up the Lakers for better success, I think. Because I think the Lakers are better if you have Anthony Davis playing the five and LeBron playing the four. I think that's the best version of the Lakers. So inherently, they might have set them up better for their best lineup going forward. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But on top of that, as you mentioned, the Rockets didn't have a counter, right? It's small ball, small ball, small ball. Okay, cool. When the other team matches up with you, what's the counter? And they don't have one. And that's the problem. On top of Harden played good, but his style of play is not sustainable enough to the point where you can just put the team on your back and he's going to win you a series. Like it's too tiring him just jacking threes, being that ball dominant to beat a good team like that night in, night out. So the difference was supposed to be Russell Westbrook, who struggled a lot, but in reality, like, my guy legit came back from having COVID, right, and then came into the bubble and got a had a leg injury. So it's like, yes, Russ played terrible, never got back into the groove, never really got back into the thick of things, but just not a good look for year one of this, and D'Antoni's now out. So many rumors, including D'Antoni to your Sixers. Is that something you're about? No. The two, the three coaching candidates that I've heard the most about, I'm so out on. It's like Ty Lue, <laughs> no thanks. Billy Donovan, a.k.a. Billy Donovan. Freddie Munster, wow. no thanks. Billy Donovan. And D'Antoni. I guess of those three, D'Antoni, just because at one. least he has a... He's got a offensive philosophy. I don't know how it works with the lineup. Yeah, the yeah. way that it's currently constructed. <laughs> with Embiid but... and Horford. <laughs> yeah, it's like, seven seconds no, or I... less with Embiid and Horford. <laughs> I think I like unless you can find any way of getting De'Aaron Fox out of Sacramento. This is what I've been thinking. But now Sacramento, you, uh, who knows? But who knows if there's on, any yeah. like. If you could get them Simmons and get Buddy healed and hold on, hold on, De'Aaron let me ask Fox. you something. And I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but now that the season is over, if you did have to give up one of Sim Embiid or Simmons, Simmons, it's Simmons. Simmons. Okay, interesting. See, I go yeah, the other way. I, I think it'd be Embiid if it was me. No, nah, Simmons can't shoot from eight feet out. True, it's the NBA. I need you to be able to shoot. <laughs> okay. I can't. That's a tough point to argue. Fair enough. And there'll be lots of time for us to argue that for sure. Rockets go down. I like both of them. James Harden is still a failure in the playoffs. 
I mean, I don't think that's too harsh of me saying like facts are facts. Um, yeah, Lakers walked, Antonis out. Speaking of coaches, huge shouts to Steve Nash, announced as the new coach as of the Brooklyn Nets. I like that move. I think it's a cool move. Do you like it? I think that Kevin Durant likes it, and that's, that's what matters. Basically, the reason why he got hired. Yeah. Um, I think that that whole like uh, I know that there was a oh, lot of. Hold on, hold on. I want to go off on this for a second. Sorry, because this actually got okay. me mad. This actually really got okay. me mad. Because, and I'm, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was really so no. mad about this when it happened that I, I wish we had a pod that day because all the storylines are so ridiculous. But here's what I want to say, okay? There is serious, serious, real shit going on in the world right now that is taking a lot of people's attention away from you know, what's going on in the streets, what's going on in real life. I don't even need to dig deep into that because I feel like we all know what we're talking about. Now is not the time to conflate something going on in basketball and the NBA to the overall dialogue of what's going on in the streets that is super serious. Now, do we need more black coaches in the NBA? Yes. Do we think that there are black coaches that don't get a fair shake? Yes. But let's not be out here talking about Steve Nash as if he's just the rich kid of some rich dude who's like putting his son up for like this great job in the NBA. Like put some respect on the man's name. You're talking about a two-time MVP on top of the fact that he just had a job as an advisor when his main role as that advisor was working with Kevin Durant, who's now the star of the team. So you're going to cry racism when... The two star players of the team, who are black, made the decision. The owner is also a minority of the Brooklyn Nets. So how are we out here? I'm just saying, don't be out here wasting opportunities, which we need to have this important dialogue. Don't be wasting it on this. Yes, there are issues going on in the NBA, but that's not now is not the time to be conflating those things. And Steve Nash is not the one to have the beef with, especially when we know there's been other instances where things like this have happened, right? Where Mark Jackson's gotten a job without coaching experience. Doc Rivers has gotten jobs without coaching experience, right? Ty Lue, Jason Kidd, like there's been other coaches before who have gotten jobs without coaching experience. If you want to say, well, I think the counter people made was, well, nobody walked into this job with Kevin Durant and Kyrie in terms of two of the top players in the league and championship contenders. Very true. But you know what? If Shaq just said, I want blank to be my coach, that's who, who was going to be the coach. That's how it is. In 2020 in the NBA, whatever the star players say goes. So to have to know all of this, to have all this information in front of us and know that the main reason why this is done is because Kevin Durant says so, but then to perpetuate this other dialogue, come on guys, there's more serious shit going on in the world. Let's save that energy for that stuff right now. In this moment of 2020, we can't be mixing up these conversations. Sorry, apologies for cutting you off, but that one really, really, really got me mad as a storyline. Put some respect on Steve Nash's name. A hundred percent, and you hit every everything in that. A, uh, it was um, African-American players 
uh, wielding their power to get the coach that they wanted. Mm. Uh, B, don't equate Nate McMillan not getting a call for this job to the tragic events that are happening yeah, in America like and around the world right now. Right? Absolutely. Completely ridiculous. But And three, Steve Nash is one of the greatest point guards of all time. Right. And guards have historically been the ones who get head coaching jobs without having uh, any coaching experience. And again, it's just that simple. Kevin Durant wanted him as a coach. And that's it. <laughs> End of story. Right. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. But I just think that I'm getting more and more frustrated when different people are using diff this opportunity to kind of, you know, because the point is we lose the power in the message when we continue to mm -hmm. drum up things that don't deserve being in the same conversation. That's all I'll Gets say. Gets diluted. Exactly. That's all. That's what I'll say. And we'll move on because I don't want to. There we go. I don't want to have the angry energy on this pod because yeah, there we it's go. happy times right now. Congratulations to Steve Nash. And yes. congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. How's that for a segue? Congratulations to um, the Denver Nuggets it. for making this a seven game series with the Clippers. And in fact, three down, three one again. Back to back series, down three one. So, first off, who do you got in game seven that goes Tuesday night? Clippers or Nuggets? I'd, I'd love to say that, yeah, Nuggets are going to get it done again. Jamal Murray's going to drop a 50 spot. But I, it, you can't bet against Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs in a Game 7, man. I agree. It's like, that's, this is what they got him for. This is his time. And, like, he hasn't been great in this series. Well, he's had a couple of great performances. But that last game, Game 6, I mean, up 17, this is when Kawhi's got a put the ha uh, hammer to the nail but it, man this is Kawhi time this is and if it doesn't happen I, I don't know what because those guys are on two-year deals so yeah. who knows Oof, but uh no I think I think it's going to be Clippers because we all listen the NBA is a business okay <laughs> and the NBA knows that they need the Clippers and the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. So uh, maybe they bring Tim Donahue out of retirement. Oh, wow. Uh, what's, uh, what's, who's the ball guy who used to kick Tim Duncan oh, uh, out all the Joey time? Joey Crawford. Joey Crawford. Joey Crawford. Joey Crawford. Get him back. Dick Bavetta. All these old guys. They'll get them all back just to make sure that the uh, Lakers and the Clippers <laughs> meet in the Western Conference Finals. So here's the thing, though. On the off chance it is the Nuggets – what chances do you give them against LeBron and the Lakers? Zero, zero, zero. Zero, zero, zero. Yeah. The NBA, there's no way I can see the NBA allowing the Nuggets to beat the Clippers and Lakers to make the finals. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, if exactly. Adam Silver has to come down and ref himself, <laughs> right? It's just <laughs> not happening. So, let's, let's, and he, hold on. Shouts to Jamal Murray for the show that he has put on. Not only on the basketball court, but also using his platform to speak on bigger issues, whether it's through his shoes, whether it's through just him delivering great post-game messages. But Jamal Murray is someone we got to give a lot more respect to just in the basketball world, but especially in Canada. Because what my guy has done in this playoff, it's just been absolutely incredible. He's shown that he is a star in this league. He continues to improve. He, the stage, the bright lights aren't too much for him. And in, in fact, 
He he thrives in it. And I think the big thing to look for in Jamal Murray is the fact that even when he has an off night or it looks like he's struggling, in crunch time, he wants that smoke. He wants the ball in the moment. And I think that that's an incredible thing to see. Kids, legit. Like, uh, in that draft class, what was that, the Jalen Brown draft class? And he went, uh, he kind of slipped, didn't he? And it's like... Even coming out of Kentucky, you were like, okay, he's a good shooter, but what else does he bring to the table? And just the way that he's developed in that system in Denver uh, and the the work that he does with Jokic as well, yeah. uh, it's awesome. Like, he's a star in the making. I think that Utah series really showed he and Donovan Mitchell are like next man up. Like, these are going to be your next stars. And I think a team is going to make a big play to try and get him. Ooh. Wow, I mean, well, he just signed the big time deal. But it, you, I don't think he's going to be on the Nuggets next year. I would hope that it's the Toronto Raptors, but hey, you would hope that's so. a story for another day. But you bring up that draft, and it's kind of interesting. Number one, Ben Simmons to your Sixers. Number two, Brandon Ingram to the Lakers. Number three, Jalen Brown to the Celtics. At number four, Dragan Bender to the Suns. Hence, why the Suns are the Suns. <laughs> At number five, Chris Dunn to Minnesota. Hence why Minnesota is Minnesota. And New Orleans picked Buddy Heald at number six, all ahead of Jamal Murray. Right? So Buddy. I still think Buddy's underrated. I want Buddy on the Sixers big time. Hey, the Kings are a cesspool, right? So totally understand that. Totally under get where you're coming from. But I just wanted to give some love to Jamal Murray, who continues to just ball out of control. Putting up multiple fifty pieces in playoff games, like that's real. Right? And you know, maybe his biggest moment, not even like over and above all of the 50 point games that he's had was that moment he had post game where my guy broke down speaking of the injustices that continue to go on in the United States of America and around the world. And I think that was such a big moment in terms of him being on the big stage and using his voice and using his platform and it was just an incredible moment and it made me proud watching like as a Canadian, it made me proud watching, you know, Hey, that's our guy. That's one of us on the biggest stage using his platform of, Hey, I just dropped a 50 piece, but Hey, this is more important. We need to talk about this. That was incredible. So I wanted to show some love to Jamal Murray, regardless of what happens in game seven NBA. It's incredible, incredible. But speaking of incredible, the Battle of L.A. would definitely be incredible. This is what... You want to talk, you want to talk incredible, we got to talk playoff Rondo. <laughs> well, here's the thing. No, laugh. no, no. I'm... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not laughing. I Hold on. Real ball heads know that the Lakers... And we talked about it. I was worried about the Lakers against the, the Portland Trailblazers because they didn't have Rondo. Like, Rondo is a huge factor on that team. And if you watch enough ball to know the work, the resume that is playoff Rondo, but then on top of that, just simply, well, it's another person not named LeBron that can create a play for someone else. Of course that matters big to the Lakers, and it would be a huge addition to the Lakers. And you know what? He's fresh. He's healthy. 
going to be a huge deal. And he's got his brother in the stands <laughs> talking mad shit. Right. Gas like two up. rondos. I didn't even know he had a brother. But I like that he's got the same kind of mentality talking as Brajan. talking trash. Amazing. But Battle of LA, Rondo is back for the Lakers, which is obviously a huge factor as we just saw. Huge. But how, first off, it's so crazy when he, and I mean, we're talking about this as if like it's a given, which which probably shouldn't do, but it's rare that you get hyped up for a matchup and then you actually get to see it. But if we do get to see this, who do you like? Because I feel like when we first talked about this, not only at the start of the season, not only at the start of the restart of the season, you had the Lakers. At that point at the restart, I switched to the Clippers because I just thought they were more healthy but and the Lakers would miss Avery Bradley. But at this point right now, if Friday night Are you back? These are you two back? teams are going head to head. Are you back? I'm still on the Clippers. Oh I'm still on the Clippers. And here's why. Here's you why. do here's why. you do realize that LeBron James plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, right? You realize that. I'm aware. I, I'm I'm familiar okay. with his work. Just, <laughs> I just wanted to I just wanted to put it out. I'm there. familiar with his work. And when I first started out in this TV business, my first year as an intern was LeBron James's rookie year, and I was doing right. court cuts. So I'm very yes. familiar with the career of familiar, LeBron James. Familiar with his work. Familiar with very familiar with his work. But here's okay. the thing: I hate how cocky the Clippers are. I hate how they act as if they've won like eight rings and they Anything. and they haven't won shit. I hate that. No. But they still have the most talent in any roster that's left in the tournament, in this bubble. And mm. Kawhi Leonard is arguably the best playoff player left in the bubble right now, at this point of his career, right? Because LeBron is still doing it. LeBron is still playing at a high level, but I think I would still, if you're telling me for a playoff series, I still think I'm taking Kawhi at this stage of their careers to win a playoff series, which, hey, up for debate, I'll take that. But even if that's not the case, and it is LeBron, and then you take Anthony Davis, the next, like, eight guys, I'm taking the Clippers because the Lakers roster is just, it falls off a cliff after that. But... Listen, Caruso has been really impressive. <laughs> Caruso's been legit, I'm not man. That, hey, I'm not going to hate on Caruso. I'm not that dude. I think Caruso is a solid NBA player, and and most of the flack that Caruso gets is based off his looks. So, which yeah, is, 100%. you know, if we think about that for a second, right? Like, that's kind of ridiculous. He's a solid player. When you watch him play, he serves a purpose, and he's he's been a factor for the Lakers, undoubtedly. But the Clippers, in terms of talent, once they get it all together, and I feel like Doc has to take some of the blame here, but when you talk about that team and all things are cooking, and get Patrick Beverly out of here because he's mad annoying, but he serves a purpose. (laughs) As that Marcus Smart dude, he serves a purpose. Absolutely. If you're telling me your closing lineup of Lou Will, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Whatever Morris Twin is on the Lakers or the Clippers, whichever one's on the Clippers. I know. I, got, right? I was going to say, which Morris Twin do you trust in the seven-game series? <laughs> and Zubac, right? Because I'm saying Zubac okay. over Montrez because the numbers were out. I was listening to something today, and Kevin O'Connor was saying, no, like, 
when Zub- Zubac has been playing really well. The, they keep blowing leads when Montrez comes into the game, right? right? Like they're like Montrez can't play defense like it, Zubac. Exactly. Right. And so you, you look at it from that instance and you say with those dudes out there, when they are locked in and say, we're playing defense, we're going to play a full game and we're not going to take possessions off. I just don't know how the Lakers can touch that. And they need two money. They need seven straight high-level performances from Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Yeah. And I just don't know if AD's built like that. Yeah, it's the, that's the thing for me, is that it's all going to come down. Like, you could give me the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard thing all day, but honestly, this series is going to come down to can Anthony Davis abuse Zubats? Yeah. just If Anthony Davis can, can get fouls, get him in foul trouble, get Harrell in the game, then I think the Lakers are going to win it pretty handily. Yeah. But if Zubats can contain Anthony Davis, or if Doc can figure out another way to send some other other defenders at AD yeah. to slow him down, then you're really going to have to put it into LeBron's hands. And not to say that LeBron can't do that. We've seen him do that. Mm-hmm. We've seen him make the finals with lesser teams mm-hmm. than this Lakers team. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he's our age and getting out of bed sometimes is tough for me. And now you got to, like, I was like, hold on, but now you got to get out of bed against Kawhi. Yeah, exactly. Right, so exactly. It's no, going to be fun. I said, it's going to be fun. I said it, uh, online. I forget what game it was, but it was one of those LeBron just went absolute. I think it was game two or game three mm-hmm. when it was just like vintage and he was just destroying the Rockets. Yeah. And I was like, I missed the game because I was napping because I was because my daughter had me up too early and I needed a quick I needed a cat nap in the afternoon and like LeBron is my age and he's dropping like thirty five, seven and nine. It's like Amazing. So that's the thing. If anybody can do it, like you could tell me Kawhi, you could tell me Paul George, but yeah. man, it's like we've seen LeBron do this before. Yeah. No, it's true. We've definitely seen LeBron do it over and over again and there's been a lot of people who have lost money over the years trying to bet against LeBron James, so it's definitely not wise to do so. But I just feel like the the Clippers have too many pieces, and it's a matter of like their troubles are self-inflicted. And I still need to see it from Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis, let's be honest, I think he played well in these playoffs, but I can't even say that he like crushed the Rockets, and maybe they didn't need him to. He's had some big stat lines. He's he had has. some big stat He has, lines. definitely. He's played well. I'm not saying he hasn't played well. I'm saying against the Clippers, he needs to be like that dude for them to beat the Clippers. And if I'm Doc, I'm dusting off Joe Kim Noah. You're taking off a suit, putting up because you're just fouls, right? And and if, if Davis is going to put in work, he's going to have to do it with me using Noah's six fouls. Right. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And again, when when is it going to happen when Kawhi is sitting there and saying, yo, I'm going at LeBron? That matchup is that's this is what we want to see again. And that's going to be insane. This is why we do this podcast. This is why we're NBA fans. It's going to be so much fun. I got the Clippers. You got the Lakers. So that's going to be amazing yet again. And, and we're going to watch the Nuggets win game. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. But I mentioned Doc, and I think if they lose to the Nuggets, 
or if they lose to the Lakers, we got to take a step back and really think about some things with Doc Rivers. Because did you see the thing circulating on Twitter uh, today with Phil Jackson in the huddle with the Lakers? No, from a couple of years ago in in the finals against The the Celtics. And Phil Jackson is telling them, Doc Rivers coach teams, they blow it in the fourth quarter. He's like, <laughs> oh, this is, he goes, this is our chance because this is when he blows it. That's amazing. I, I know, just, I know. I like, here's it. the thing. I just feel like Doc has good teams and he should be able to do more with them. Now, you could argue the Celtics, KG got hurt and maybe that's the reason why they didn't win more than one ring. You can make that argument. I'll listen to that. I think with that Clippers team with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre. They should have should have made a finals. They should have made a final. For sure should have made a finals, right? And I would say that team underachieved. And now if you're telling me you come into this team and all year they've kind of had the same issues in terms of not being able to give a sustained effort for more than like a five-game run in a row, at some point... I'm just going to say the question needs to be asked about Doc Rivers. That's all I'm saying. Mm. We'll wait for it to play out, and then we'll reconvene here and have this conversation. I'm just saying, especially if they go down. Well, if they go down to the Nuggets. Woo-hoo-hoo. Wow. Yeah, Bomber. Bomber won't be having it. No, not at all. So, I mean, overall, this just proves NBA, incredible. It was so much fun to be Man. back and talking to you about Bro, Paul Webby. we didn't. We didn't even talk about Daniel House. <laughs> wow. Here's what I'll, we didn't even talk. Here's what I'll say about Daniel House. Because I want to give another shout out to someone who we mentioned quite a bit on this podcast. And that person would be Cuffs the Legend. And if you listen, <laughs> okay, yeah. if you listen to this Ball on Blast <laughs> podcast and you still do not follow Cuffs the Legend on Twitter... Then I feel like I'm not doing my job on this podcast enough (laughs) explaining why you should be following Cuffs the Legend. Because I'm assuming people know about the Daniel Hell story, right? He was forced to leave the bubble. (laughs) They kicked him out out of the bubble because he had someone in his room who's not supposed to be in your... Like, there's rules. You're not allowed to have anybody in your room. And he had someone in his room over multiple hours. A COVID inspector or something? Something like that. That was the story, yes. And they told his wife. I didn't get too deep into the Twitter sphere. I didn't. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is, and I'm bringing up Cuffs the Legend is because before this story got to the mainstream, a solid two days before. No, really? I'm not even making it up. I I tweeted it when it happened. A solid two days before. Okay, Cuffs the Legend tweeted out. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing before I, I'm really reading this. <laughs> Daniel House knows better than trying to do that in the bubble. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. Hashtag how much a bunch of smiling emojis. Okay, that's it. No context, no nothing. So obviously people are in his mentions like, what are you talking about? He followed that up with, Woj and Shams will tell you what Daniel House did. Just oh, relax shit. and wait for them to tweet it. <laughs> That's on September I, 9th. <laughs> okay. Then says... Following Cuffs the Legend right now. <laughs> then follows it up and says, The NBA clearly said wives and girlfriends only. 
no random internet keister in the bubble. <laughs> that says AC Green would have been just fine in the NBA bubble. <laughs> For that entertainment value alone, I'm here, and it's just incredible. So much fun. But then, yes, two days later, when Woj and Shams did let us know what actually happened, he then said, he just started laughing, saying, because someone was like, Cuffs told us about this before, and, he, and someone was like, see, here's Rojan's Shams, and he's like, never heard of them. <laughs> but anyways, that's that's my biggest takeaway from the Daniel Hell story, because it's completely insane, completely ridiculous. 100%. So, 100%. I'll leave it there, and just enjoy the jokes, because this is not serious. This is jokes, right? Like, if we can't laugh at Daniel Hells and I know getting some strange in the bubble. If we can't laugh at that, and I know that there's obviously a serious element if he is indeed married, I get that and understand that. But if we can't take a step back and laugh at that because that is funny, I don't care how you want to spin that, that is hilarious. Then hey, you're doing this wrong, and maybe this isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> right? <laughs> what, are you speechless on that one? <laughs> Who? Wasn't there a football player? Yes, on the Seahawks. He tried to sneak in. He tried to sneak in. He had the girl dressed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was this year. In a team like khakis and like a golf shirt or whatever, like team attire, as in being like one of the team employees. Like, come on. Like, this stuff is just jokes. It's funny, right? So good. Like, 2020 has been insane. If we can't find a story here and there to laugh at. Yeah. We're not doing our jobs. We can't get hey, that right. So speaking of the Seahawks, our ask on blast segment is simple this week. The NFL is back Webby. Oh, and oh. you know, you mentioned it off the top. There is a brand new podcast on the on blast network. Still don't have a name for it. So I'm still honoring the podcast. OG for the young. We got to get Joe a name. Biden. Oh yeah. What was it? It was like I'll name, new football. I'll pod. name this football pod later. <laughs> Which is <laughs> which is pretty good. It's a playoff of Joe Bun. So for those who don't know, and the Joe Bun Spotify thing has been an incredible dialogue. If you're paying attention to that, on a side, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Joe Bun, when he first started his podcast, his podcast was called "I'll Name This Podcast Later." But what happens as you become more big time and you get you get a bigger name in this game? What happens is you change the name of your podcast to your name because when people go to Google it or search for it and you search Joe Button, well, hey, the podcast is going to show up on YouTube. It's going to show up on Spotify. It's going to show up wherever. So obviously he changed the name to his podcast to the Joe Button podcast. So with all the gems that he drops to the young creators in the game as a homage to Mr. Joe Button, I'll name this football pod later, which... I mean, I still don't have a name, so yeah. It's pretty good. But the NFL is back, Webby. Week oh. one in the books. And I know your Love squad it. lost, but how excited Up 17 nothing. How excited are you? How much did you enjoy week one other than your team going down? How happy are you the NFL is back? On a level of one to ten, I'm at a twenty two. <laughs> I love I love there's nothing more I love yeah. than the Thursday nighters, the Sundays and the Monday nighters. So good. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. And uh, I thought the the thing with the fans was great. I really liked what the Seahawks and the Falcons did at the beginning of the game. Yep. 
of everybody taking a knee at the kickoff. I thought that was very cool and different yeah. and uh, definitely a way to like not really play into everybody's narrative of, oh, what are you going to do during the anthems? I think it's also very smart that a lot of these teams are just going into the locker room during the anthems. And I yeah. think that that hopefully will catch on because I think that that is a great way to handle um, – uh, you know, you're protesting yeah. what's happening in the states and around the world in terms of pre- police brutality. Now, to the actual action, man, it's been awesome. Cowboys lost, great, <laughs> amazing stuff. And uh, honestly, but my, I'll give you my moment of the weekend, okay. my favorite thing. Hold so, on, can I guess? I, was yeah, go for was it. Was it Cam Newton's yellow suit? No. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, having Cam back, and he was great. And now it's like, why am I rooting? I find myself rooting for the Patriots now because I have Cam. Cam but no, no, no. It was a 4 o'clock game. Okay. I'm very invested now in Joe Burrow. Okay. I really like Joe Burrow. Okay, that's fair. I thought he was awesome with LSU. I think he's got a a crazy swag. Yeah. Like, he like he, looks like he doesn't give a fuck, man. And I like it. Yeah. And he was leading the... Bengals against the Chargers, leading them down, threw a touchdown to A.J. Green, got called back for a push-off. Okay, so they're down three. Okay, let's bring in the kicker. Let's kick Let's kick the game-tying field goal <laughs> against the Chargers. Randy Bullock shanks it immediately, goes to the leg. Oh, mm, injured. Coach, I need the trainer. I need the trainer. It was the best. It was so good. That is that was the best thing I've seen. And then, of course, it comes out today. He's okay. He's fine. Of course. He's fine. God. That was a He's straight fine. little kid move. You know, when you, you miss the ball, you're playing outfield in baseball, and then you look at your glove. It's like, it wasn't the glove, bro. No. <laughs> like, it was you. <laughs> it was so good. It was the most human thing I've ever seen on a football on a, oh. on a football field. It was great. It was great. And so, like, I felt so bad. And, like, the reaction shot of... Joe Burrow looking at the kick was amazing. So good. Um, was so good. That, that whole sequence was fucking – it's why I love football so much. So good. It was so funny. And my boy, Joe Burrow, back in action Thursday night against the Browns. He's going to get his first win. <laughs> Let's go. Tell – tell what's the uh, your guy on the Matt show? Russell. I forget his name. Russell. Tell him. Take all the money. <laughs> All right. Put it on the Bengals on Thursday night. I'll relay the message. I'll relay the message for sure. And thank you for the plug, Mr. Angie Webster. Again, podcast comes out each and every week. We go through the NFL storylines, but from a gambling perspective, we're trying to help you out with however you decide to enjoy these games, whether you're sprinkling a little here and there, your lunch money. Whether- a little bet 365, a little Bet three six five. Yeah, a little bet three six five, a little pro line, whatever it is that you're into. We're just trying to arm you with some information and help everyone win some money. We got the sucker bet of the week, which this week we said the sucker bet of the week was, was the it? Cowboys game. Everyone was going to be on the Cowboys. It was the minus three sucker bet of the week. And so we're just trying to help everyone out, get everyone, help everyone win some money. Help everyone enjoy these games, right? NFL is back. It's great. Remember, if you subscribe to this podcast, you'll get that podcast as well because the On Blast Podcast Network, again, On Blast Podcast is the network name. Ball On Blast is one of the shows along with Wrap It Up and I'll name this football pod later and you killed it. We got a building empire. You killed it. We got a building empire here coming along. So, hey, 
Like and subscribe. Tell all your friends. Whether you like basketball, whether you like football, we got you covered right here on this The On Blast Podcast Network. But in terms of basketball and ball on blast, if you want to hit up my guy, Mr. Andrew Webster, with, you know, talk to him about what's going on in these games or, you know. Tell me how to raise my child. I was going to say, give him some tips. <laughs> uh, where can the people find you on social media later? Yes, sir. It's the same on Twitter and Instagram. It's at a Webster 84. I will have my daughter in my arms tomorrow for doubleheader basketball. So uh, tweet us, uh, Instagram us, say what's up. Tell me why. Tell me how much money you're putting on the Bengals on Thursday night. Sounds like a good time, man. Sounds like so much fun. And again, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander and again football picks doing the full week doing picking every game against the spread so follow me there you can go to the on blast page see all my picks every week we're gonna have a lot of fun the train keeps moving huge shouts to the Toronto Raptors for entertaining us and giving us a great two-year run huge shouts to all the people that have rocked with us on this on blast network as we continue to grow all my wrap it up people really appreciate you guys so much Rocking with us here on the podcast. Rocking with us here on the Ball on Blast podcast. Really appreciate it. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network. Available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it. Then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Oh, bless.